Welcome to today's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so we can become who we were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith. And if you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button and share the podcast with your friends on social media and tag me in it at jbirdfit. Today, I have a very special guest for you, Nathan Mansfield. He's a U.S. Special Warfare veteran, CEO, entrepreneur, leader, and creator of 33 Hours, a transformative fitness program rooted in the mind-body connection designed to help you discover your inner excellence. And welcome to the show. For those who don't know who you are, let's just dive right in and tell me all about yourself. Yeah. So, um, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, brother. It's, it's an honor to, um, to share some time with a brother who's after the same mission of just helping men better their lives. And, um, you know, we'll dive into a lot in this next, you know, 30 to 40 minutes, 60 minutes, whatever we're here for to just really bring value. But, and, and that's really my intention here is that I'm going to share my story with the intention of just allowing people to step into my shoes and maybe see themselves in my shoes to help them transform through something. And so that's what my whole life's about. As of right now, what I've stepped into over the last year to two years ago, really starting to do full scale now is, is coaching, coaching men, uh, running men's events and entrepreneurial coaching, teaching people how to be successful entrepreneurs. And so that's, that's the backbone of my career and what I do now. Prior to this, I was a special warfare military veteran for 13 years, TACP in the Air Force. So we call an airstrikes on bad guys. Uh, bringing the most most lethal firepower to the the battlefield, and uh, which I believe is was the best is the best job in the military, better than Navy SEALs, better than all these guys that are doing cool things because we just have the most lethality with two words, clear it hot to make big transformation on the battlefield. Um, we're highly trained, highly skilled, and so that was a big you know precursor of my life till now. From the time I was 19 to the time I was 32. Um, I, after 13 years of service, I got out and uh, pursued entrepreneurship full time. But midway through my military career, about six years in, I became an entrepreneur um, as basically a side hustle to my military career. So a lot of people talk about, you know, wanting to create a side hustle for the potential to get out of the thing that they're in. Um, I'm just living proof that it's possible. I was able to build a multi-million dollar business while I was in the military, working full time, 12, 13 hour days. And so um, I think that a lot of what I do now is give people hope to, to start to live their passion and their purpose outside of the thing that's paying the bills to eventually get into their passion and purpose full time. Now, a, you're, you're originally from Kansas, right? Yes. And so did you always want to be in the military? Was that something that you dreamed about as you were a kid? It's something I thought about, but I never had the courage to do. And so what gave you the courage to make that decision and take that step? Um, I hit, so at, at about 15 years old, I started drinking alcohol with friends. I was a very lost kid as far as, um, when I found alcohol at 15, uh, it helped me fit in because, uh, it kind of numbed my shyness. And so it became a crutch for me. I began drinking every weekend, yeah. got into college. Social lubricant. Absolutely. And so I, I, I hinged upon it. I, it was. It was a require for requirement for me. In fact, I wouldn't even talk to girls unless I had a couple drinks in me because I didn't have the courage to. So I was a very shy kid. Um, alcohol gave me a lot of courage, gave me a lot of um, the ability to be myself, as some people say. And luckily, I was gifted with intellect and mathematics, and I was I was gifted with some intelligence. Luckily, because it's what got me through school while I was not really showing up to school. But when I got into college, I, I've kind of for, foresaw the problem as I was graduating high school and getting into college. And so when, when I was going to college, I was going to be an engineer. I loved architecture. I loved visualizing something and bringing it to life. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. But I went to college. Um, got, I didn't live in the dorms. I lived in an apartment with, with three of my friends. And it quickly turned into getting blackout drunk three nights a week. Um, and I realized that there's a problem. Like... I remember going to trigonometry class completely hammered at like 8 a.m., leaving, going home and going, Nathan, you, you got to do something. Like, cause this, this, you're not going to make it anywhere. You're going to end up dead. You're going to end up in jail. Like, you're going to have to do something about this. And so my childhood memory of watching Saving Private Ryan and some of these war movies that like I had some inspiration to want to do that potentially, but didn't have the courage was like, well, Maybe this is a calling. Maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to switch the gears, to change 
the pace to do something different, to go serve and to not be failing out of college anymore. And so quickly went to the recruiter's office, um, found out what he had available. I'm very like, I make decisions very quickly. I used to, I used to be very impulsive. Now I have control over it. So now I just say I make decisions quickly and, and rationally. And so I signed on the line and within like probably 45 days, I was out to here to San Antonio to boot camp. And what made you choose the Air Force? Well, I called my uncle who was a retired Marine and I said, Hey, I'm looking at joining the army. And he's like, huh? He laughed at me. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll hate your life. Um, and I was like, well, how about the Marines? And he goes, don't do that either. He goes, if you want a good life, join the Navy or the Air Force. And I said, okay. Um, so I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just knew that from what he had told me being, you know, a lifer in the Marines that if you're going to sign up for something and commit your life to it, just do something where you're going to be treated a little bit better. So he said the Air Force. And so that's where I went. I stepped out of the Army recruiter's office and went into the Air Force. And once you were in, what did that progression look like for you as you were going through the entire process? Well, you, you were in for 13 years, right? Yeah. So it's funny because recruiters are liars most of the time. And so the recruiters sold me on, you know, like I was going to be like, this CIA operative, like bugging enemy shoes and like listening to their, like, he's like, you're going to be in this intelligence career field. And like, so he chalked up this job to be this like CIA operative type of thing. So like, I'm like, man, this scares me, but I'm in. So I go in thinking that I'm going to be this like high level operative. Which yeah. All is, of a sudden you're Jason Bourne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I find out quick, well, I get to boot camp and anyways, he had lied on my paperwork to get me the job because it's the only job that I was like actually interested in. So he lied on my paperwork. So then, you know, um, when I went to go do my top secret clearance, they're like, hey, we actually did a records check and you've gotten in trouble under a shrinking and you had a disorderly conduct. So you actually don't even qualify for top secret clearance. So they basically, okay, well, this is actually fraudulent enlistment because you lied on your paperwork. And I was like, well, I didn't lie on my paperwork. My recruiter lied on my paperwork to get me the quota or to meet his quota to get me in the spot. So we went through this whole debacle, but anyways, they hand me a book of like all the Air Force jobs and they're like, pick one. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these things are. Like, cause if you look at military MOSs and AFSCs, like how they're articulated, you're like, like if it's a jet engine mechanic, but it's called like, like they're called something completely like aer aerospace engineer or something. You're like, so like, I don't know what I'm signing up for. So I look at the, once again, relying on my intellect, Luckily, I did very well on the ASVAB. So I just went to the highest numbers that they offered and just sorted them by the top numbers. So I ended up getting a job called uh, con a contracting specialist where I ran procurement and ne uh, negotiated contracts for the Air Force, which has very marketable skills on the outside. Absolutely does. So I, I was like, well, maybe if I choose something that t requires me to be smart, then at least I can carry that skill if I don't like the military. So that was my thought process. So I did that. I went to the school here in San Antonio, graduated, quickly moved to England for two years where I deployed to Iraq. And then after going through my deployment in Iraq, coming home, uh, I read Lone Survivor. And after I read Lone Survivor cover to cover in one day, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm selling myself short on what I'm doing here in the military. Like you signed up because you wanted to go do incredible things and make a difference, but I didn't feel like I was making a difference. So I said, well, I, I can go be a Navy SEAL, but there was no transition programs to go from Air Force to, to the Navy because that's what I wanted to do. So they were like, nope, you can't do that. We don't have any transition programs. So what can I do? Well, I ran across these guys who were carrying rifles and rucksacks all over um, uh, Fort Bragg when I was because I moved to North Carolina. And I was like, I wonder what those guys do. Found out they were Air Force guys. I thought they were Army guys. They're all dressed up, you know, some days camel on their face. I'm like, what are these? I didn't, what, is there a job like this in the Air Force? end up talking to their senior leadership. They're like, yeah, it's called TACP. We, we drop bombs on bad guys. We go forward with infantry, special forces, rangers, and you know, we, we bring destruction to the, to the battlefield. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Found out how to switch over. So I'd spent like two and a half, three years as a contracting specialist. Um, they only allowed like two or three cross-training spots for a senior airman in E4 a year out of hundreds of thousands of people in the air force. So there were like three spots. So I'm like, man, this is highly competitive. I ended up getting in with a good 06, like that was across the street, have him sign my package. He, he, he's like, 
I basically ran like a crazy, like an eight fifteen mile and a half. Um, and then he, he was a prior, um, uh, quarterback for the Naval Academy. So he's like, here's the one thing I'll sign your paperwork, which will get immediately expedited to the staff. And you'll probably get picked up very quickly, but you have to pass this one task. And he throws, he, we're in the building and he throws it. So a rocket at me with the football. He's like, if you drop this, I'm not signing your paperwork. <laughs> so I catch it, signs my paperwork before I know it. I'm, I'm off the TAC P school, Herbert Field, Florida, um, uh, which was just the biggest kick in the balls of my life. So that's awesome. That's a great story. Now, I, I did like what you said there in that you were selling yourself short. And I think that's so relatable to so many people that are out there that they have more gas in the tank and they know they have gas in the tank, mm -hmm. but they're not showing up for themselves to the highest degree to be able to bring things to fruition. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. That's a, that's a very commonality. It's, I mean, and it's happening within you and me. It's happening with everybody. The question is, how short are you selling yourself? Right. Because nobody's living up to 100% of their potential. Huh. You know, you look at David Goggins. Like, Goggins is an incredible dude, incredible athlete who gives, you know, tries harder and gives more. But he still says, at my strongest, I'm still at 40%. At my hardest, I'm still at 40%. So just imagine what the average person is. You know, I often, I often wrestle with my potential that I'm actually leaning into. And I think most days I'm at 20 or 30%. And I feel like I'm, I'm doing quite a bit. And what is it that you're actually wrestling with? I'm wrestling with the, how, like how much of my gift am I stepping into and, and putting the gas pedal down a hundred percent every day? You know, I think we can only measure ourselves by the day and our goal is to win the day and be better tomorrow than we were yesterday. Right? So every day I have to go, what percentage of my potential did I tap into today when I have that reflection at night or the next day? And how can I just up that the next day to be better for people, to be a better servant, to, do, to get on more calls, to give more value? You know, so I'm just measuring up every day of what my complete potential is. So now you were in for 13 years and I'm assuming you deployed. How many times did you uh, deploy? Uh, three. And what were some of the key takeaways that you can share with us from those experiences that helped you as the entrepreneur that you are today? Well, my, my first deployment was to Iraq. I was 19 years old. Um, I had, you know, grew up in a small town in Kansas, so I was very close to my family and friends. And so I ripped myself basically apart from them by moving to England and then quickly to Iraq into a war zone. I went from like you know, booze and three nights a week with my friends to a war zone in, in less than eight months. So in that deployment, 2008 in Iraq, I learned a lot about just having courage, like stepping in. Like, I think that I just lived so timidly, afraid of like being myself, afraid of, um, you know, speaking up, afraid of doing hard things. I just, I was, I was comfortable, complacent, lazy. I was just doing what was easy. So that deployment, you know, I, I caught myself signing up for all the most dangerous things. And I was like, oh, okay, man. And so you, I was like, you do have courage, bro, when I thought I didn't. So that, that deployment taught me a lot about the courage I had inside of me that when I tapped into it, it became like an ignition. So that was kind of the catalyst. I was 19, 20 years old during that deployment. And so that's what I learned there. And that, that has perpetuated my entire life since. My second deployment in Afghanistan in 2011 um, was the first combat experience I'd been in. And so looking the enemy and, and death face to face after my first major gunfight in which I'm still not sure how I walked away alive. Then what I realized is I had this epiphany after that I was selling myself short, that life is that I was undervaluing life. Like the, the few years that we get, to make an impact, a difference, to do something that we're passionate about, to chase our dreams. Like I realized how complacent I had become. And so after that deployment is when I became an entrepreneur. I was like, I have this passion for fitness. And so I started my own brick and mortar supplement shop. That was in 2012. My last deployment, oh man, was nine months of minimum security prison. Essentially, I was trapped in the desert in the middle of nowhere in Kuwait for nine months. Um, with a gym and, and food. So, I mean, same quality life. And I lived in a tent with 20 dudes um, for nine months. 
And so that deployment probably just taught me, it, it taught me how good we have it yeah. and how, and how to be grateful for what you have, because when you're locked in the tent with 20 dudes for nine months and all you have is a gym and some hard boiled eggs, some chicken that tastes like crap, you begin to really value the life that we have. God, that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. It, and it was probably a great opportunity to build your body, but maybe not so great for your overall mental health during that, that yeah. by the end of that oh, nine yeah. months. I got jacked that deployment. All I did was yeah. I ate 12 hard boiled eggs every morning with bacon and two cups of oatmeal. And then, and then the first four months, me and my friends drank a gallon of milk a day. None of that is good. No, terrible, yeah. terrible, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we gained like 20 pounds, you know, that was the objective just to get as jacked as we could. Cause there's nothing else to do. We, we go from the military into a space of, you know, becoming an entrepreneur. And while you're into fitness, what made you choose to grow and develop uh, a supplement uh, company with all the other supplement companies that are out there? Yeah, well, I mean, I started my brand in 2012. And so there weren't an abundance of supplement companies back then. Like your your options was basically GNC vitamin shop. Basically, most people went to GNC back in 2012 yeah. and GNC. The reason that I, I started my own brand was because I, I hated going into GNC and there was an, a 75 year old woman that was telling me that I wanted a pre-workout and some protein. And she's like, all you need is this multivitamin. You really need this because that's what she's programmed to sell. And it right. pissed me off because I was like, I'm tired of going to GNC with a 75 year old woman who has nothing, knows nothing about weight training and bodybuilding. And she's trying to sell me her damn multivitamin. I don't want your multivitamin. I want something that's going to help me get in better shape. Like I want something that's going to increase my performance. And so I got so pissed off at the repetitious of cycle of like not being able to find supplements to help me grow that I was like, I'll just take it in my own hands because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's frustrated with GNC. So I'll just start my own company and I'll focus on selling all small business quality products that actually give you results. So that was the catalyst um, for me to start my own nutrition shop. So now that's 2012. So I'm assuming that you had a brick and mortar shop. Yeah. And so what did the early stages of that look like for you building your company? Well, I mean, starting my own business was one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned. It is it's probably single-handedly the biggest lessons I've ever learned in my life. Why? Well, I had no money. I was, I was 30 to $40,000 in credit card debt. I managed my finances terribly. So I had no money. My military paycheck basically just paid off all my bills and my finances and hopefully had some left, some spare change left. So what did I, what did I learn about myself through this? Well, I had to figure out, I'd never owned a business, had no entrepreneurial experience. I didn't, I mean, I knew about, I knew a lot about supplements. That was the good thing, but I, I went and just went completely out on, on the ledge and put myself completely out there to start this shop. Like, I didn't know how to get a lease, but I, I called persistently. They weren't even going to give me a lease because I didn't have no credibility and I was in debt. And I just called persistently until, until they said yes. So I got the lease. Then I got the lease, but I didn't know how to set up a shop and I didn't even know what products to carry. So what I have to do, I had to figure out, okay, we'll call this brand, look for this brand, try, test, sample. We were open within 30 days selling products. Our first month we did 17,000 in revenue. Like I had no clue what I was doing. Went into this thing completely blind. And so this is just a problem that I see with so many people is that they hesitate. Like one thing that I've been blessed with is activism. It's one of my number one strengths on the 34 strength finders. And it's what I try to teach people is like, stop thinking so much because you don't know all the answers and you won't know all the answers. And if I have to come to all the conclusions and have all the certainty in the world that what I'm going to do is going to have this result, then you'll never start. Right? So this like, starting my journey as an entrepreneur in the supplement industry was such a great experience because it taught me that I just could have faith that if I just put in the work, I can figure it out. And it's that trial by fire and being able to sit in that discomfort of the ambiguity yes. and the uncertainty of the situation. You, you know, you have a purpose, you know, you have a goal, you know, you have a desire and you've now brought products in 
and you're selling these products, but there's so many other systems that you have to put mm. in place and figure out along the way to be able to then drive and scale the business to a degree that is fruitful, acceptable, and worthwhile for your mission and your vision. And that brings me to what is your overall mission and vision with your company? With with my nutrition company or my entrepreneurship company? Both. So my my nutrition company is um, it's it's just to give give people inspiration and the belief that they can change. But it's also like it very much mirrors my coaching because my coaching is to help people break the cycle of their life and begin to live the life that they were called to live. So for me, what I've looked at and analyzed over the last 15 years of my life is how unhappy people are. People live miserably. They live miserably because they're overweight. They live miserably because they hate their job. They live miserably because their marriage is terrible. Like if you think about the average American and how miserable they are in all these different facets of life, but seemingly never do anything about it. It's interesting to me. Is how could your life be so terrible when you hate all the things about your life, but you never will change. So for me, all my businesses are, are fundamentally a catalyst to get you to go, okay, I saw this thing. I heard this, this, uh, real, I heard this and I actually have realized that I need to switch and go the opposite direction that what I'm doing right now, sitting in this misery, being overweight, hating my life, hating who I see when I look in the mirror, there's actually hope and inspiration to change. And I need to, there's a certain amount of learned helplessness that people experience when they get so frustrated they get so frustrated with where they're at they were never taught the skills to be able to take that next step to to cross that path into uncertainty and to do something new or different because it's very uncomfortable to be un to be uncomfortable by, by trying something new it's so much easier for me to just keep doing what i've been doing for the past 15 years because at mm -hmm. least i know i know the outcome of that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if I do anything different that now I don't know how to focus or think about the future and, and what's yeah. in store for me. And then there, that's going to bring on all these problems and I don't know how to deal with these problems. And that's really scary for me. And so I think people get paralyzed um, just by the uncertainty of, you know, just trying to move their life in a forward direction and create a little bit of momentum for themselves. But I think that's a good segue into 33 hours yeah, so, so what what is 33 hours all about and what made you create that well 33 hours is it's, it's a men's rite of passage event and i say that because me as a man going through lots of struggles in my life like i've had things in my life consequently that were terrible but many things, probably more things that I've created, problems I've created in my life that were just catastrophic. I'm not, sit, I'm not here to sit and play the victim and say my life's been pathetic or terrible because of my parents or did I have a good childhood? Moderately, but obviously I had some trauma with that too. But, but, but I'll be just real with you, man. Like I've caused more problems in my life than you know, I would like to admit. So I've, I've created this product of like being a broken man. Um, and I, I lived that way for many years, attaching to every single thing, every tangible thing that would make me feel good. You know, we live in a society where if it feels good, do it. Why? Because so many people are miserable because they, they're not aligned with their purpose and they don't have any, any reason to live life at the fullest capacity that they just attach on to anything that gives them a good feeling, sex with multiple partners, drugs, alcohol, um, money, success, right? All those things are things that I chased. Because I, I was just like, man, if I could just make a million dollars, man, if I could just have my dream wife, man, if I can just buy that new Mercedes, and if I just do this, and it's like, every time I went down this road, it was so empty. I finally got, because here's the thing that innately, I, the skill I have that is so incredible, that, but is also such a letdown. My mom told me from the time I was like three years old, it, like I'm not the kind of person you can say no to because I'm going to do it regardless. Like you're just better off not saying no to me because you're just going to be more fuel. So well, where, where does that serve me in my life? Well, everything I've wanted, I've went after and I've got. There's very few things that I haven't because I will do whatever it takes. Like if it's, if it's to build a $10 million company, I'll grind, I'll work. 
but I've gotten all these things that I wanted because I'm not lazy and I have a work ethic and I'll, I'll work my ass off. So I haven't been let down by the journey, but I've been let down by the result. So innately, what do I know about men is that men are hurting. Men are hurting because they don't express their feelings. They feel like they have to be this macho man. They feel like they have to, um, they can't have any vulnerability. And so men live very silent, hurtful lives. Men, 70% of suicides are men because men are hurting. And society is do not doing us a favor by the cap and the, and the, the narrative that they're putting on masculinity. So then it just makes men even feel more like shit about themselves. So what's my purpose in 33 hours? To take broken men, to show them who they truly are. Because most men don't even have a clue who they are. They're putting themselves down. They, they lack worthiness. I, I, I want to show the lion. I want to take the lion by his neck and put his face in the pond and show them he's not a damn sheep. Because most men inside feel like they're a sheep. But 33 hours, I get to take you and I get to show you what you're capable of based upon what you do. Because you've made it through something incredibly hard, incredibly stressful, no sleep, little food, heavy physical endurance, heavy stress. And so it's a moment in which I don't even give the change. I just be the environment for change. And the man gets to see who he truly is. And it's not the man that he showed up as. That's, that's a part of it. But we work on crafting three different things in this course. We craft a man's values. Most men don't know what they stand for. They have, you know, they're wishy-washy. They're hanging on to some political character or movie star or someone that is preaching a narrative. And they're like, well, I like The Rock. So, and The Rock says COVID vaccines are good. So COVID vaccines are good. Like most men don't have solid foundational firm values. And I know that the number one thing that a man needs is values in his life for himself, for his family and the people they surround himself with. But most men will cower to the, the, the opinions or beliefs of other people and they won't stand strong in their narrative and what they believe in. So that's the number one thing, thing we teach. And the second thing we teach is vulnerability. We talked about men not being safe to express their feelings. Day, day one, within 15 minutes of the event starting at 9 p.m., we started at 9 p.m. for a reason, when they're already tired, we had a man step up. We, we, we cracked into them so quickly, he was like, I literally almost killed myself two days ago and I just wanted to make it here. So the vulnerability started out strong and I have a whole teaching like two hours of coaching that I do after like 12 to 15 hours of like hardship and physical endurance to teach vulnerability. We didn't even have to teach it. It just, it, everything just like a volcano in these men just erupted under physical duress. So we teach vulnerability. The last thing we teach is vision. Most men have no clue what they're after in life. Richard Branson, owner and founder of over $3 billion companies, when asked, why, how in the world have you created not just $1 billion company, but multiple crystal clear, precise vision? When you know what you're after, your reticular activating system begins to work in your favor, begins to direct you, you direct your footsteps, you begin to see the things that are important to align you to where you're, you're called to go. And so we teach vision and we teach men how to create a vision, a compelling vision for their life, to be led by a, a belief and a vision and not just be walk, like walking through life aimlessly with no map, no compass, just walking because that's most people. That's most men. They just walk. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they'll end up. And the fact is that like every day they wake up, they hate where they're at, but they still don't know where they're going. Plot yourself on the map plot your destination and begin to walk aggressively towards your path. And that alone will completely set a fire in a man that he's unstoppable. It's one of those things. So many of us grew up and were shaped and molded into being people pleasers. Yeah. And so when you're a people pleaser, you sit in somebody else's frame and they, mm. they create, they create a vision and a story for you. This is what you should do. This is where you should go. If you do these mm. things, this is going to make me happy. And we're mm. beholden to people that are above us in some way, shape or form, or at least we see them as being above us and having control right. over our situation, where we're going, what we're doing, why we're doing it. The problem is when you become an adult, now 
you're lacking in the skill sets to be able to make those decisions for yourself and to say, well, no, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is how I'm going to do it. And so it's programs like yours that I think are extremely beneficial for men to, you know, take that step into uncertainty, but be in that safe space where they can be around other people that are going to shape you. They're going to hone you. They're going to make you better. You're going to have an opportunity to express yourself in a way that you've never expressed yourself before. Mm-hmm. And that and that's deeply powerful and transformative for the people that are going through that. So I think what you're doing is is absolutely amazing. What does the actual program itself look like? How do people tap into it? Um, and then you had mentioned 34 strength. Is it strength finders? Yep. What what is that all about? Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll hit the 33 hours first. So 33 hours is a it's a 33 hour long event and which starts at, you know, starts at 9 PM. Um, we max out our classes at 10 guys. We want the intimacy. Uh, it's just me and my friend who's a former army ranger in a battalion. Um, he's a, he's a successful entrepreneur as a coach. Also, he runs a coaching academy. And so we take them through this transformative 33 hour gauntlet that is, uh, very physically demanding. It's, um, very emotionally demanding, very spiritually demanding. We even found out um, everything just kind of comes out. But you know, we we have um, every hour is is dedicated has a dedicated plan and objective. Every hour throughout this thing, they don't sleep. So you think about they sleep on Thursday night. They come in Friday night with no sleep since Thursday night, and they don't sleep again until Sunday night. So really, they're going Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're going three. If you look at days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're basically going four days without sleep, um, which is just really stress inoculation. Um, I, I want to people to see how they perform when the when all odds are against them, right? Um, and we just take them through deliberate exercises of both of both teaching and coaching. We pull them in for an hour, two hours, and then we push them back out in the field. And it's but most of the work is done under physical dress. What I'm finding is that men aren't really able to transform well through conversation. Like yeah. if you, like I went to a therapist for a year and, and when I really re- reflect back on that, um, it was like during one of my challenging times I've had, after I'd already become a millionaire was, was suicidal um, shortly before I tried to, uh, was about to kill myself. And when I really look back on that, year I, I didn't really transform much but men are physical specimens you know we're like god created us to be physical beings and i believe that our therapy comes through through like when we con- when we combined both like emotionally and spiritually coaching with physical physical demanding physically demanding things that all of a sudden like people's problems come out like crazy and they, the, the weight begins to lift off their shoulders. I think that there's just an advance. I think what we found tr- truthfully is an advanced therapy for men turning 10 years of therapy into, into a day and a half. That's like when, when I really look at the results that every man got, every single man had a massive transformation. It's we turned decades into days. We took this long drawn out thing of men talking to people that most won't even do that anyways. And we turned it into this event in which creates massive transformation in just two days. And for those of you who are listening, we're not saying therapy is a bad thing. Absolutely go to therapy, do what works for you. But what we're talking about here is the suppression of the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that make up a human being. And then reaching the pinnacle of having that release through empowering yourself through 33 hours, which I think is an amazing process. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think getting things out is important. That's why therapy is important, but I think really the transformation can come in the physicality. It just, I think it expedites the process. Well, a big part of it is a lot of men are an island. They're living their life. They're doing their Mm -hmm. things. They're kind of going through the motions. They don't have a massive support system in 2023. They don't have the friendship groups that are, Mm -hmm. you know, tight knit. They're not meeting on a a weekly basis to have deep conversations or to try and manage certain experiences. And they end up putting that on their spouse or their partner. Um, And that spouse or partner then feels like a parent 
to to that man and that's where the relationships start to tumble and fall and they start to struggle and it becomes more toxic and destructive so for the guys that are listening reaching out to other men finding a group that works for you whether it's through doing jujitsu or finding uh you know f f3 is another program then we've got 33 hours here which is a great opportunity to be able to do that yeah yeah and so it's you notice that when you're in your physical element like when men really get after the gym or you go to jujitsu and you get physical and aggressive for a minute that it, you feel a lot better when you're done. And so yep. there's just, there's something to be said about that. Absolutely. And the thing we don't talk enough about is self-regulation and co-regulation. Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about self-regulation on, on my social media in terms of, well, you meditate, you do breath work, you go for walks, you know, you mm -hmm. can increase, you can increase your walks by adding a weighted vest and, you know, making sure that you're sitting down every day and journaling to be able to manage your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, because you don't have people to talk to. So it's a great way to see patterns in your life that are keeping you stuck by mm -hmm. taking the time to, to actually write it out. And yeah. so that's, that's the process of learning self-regulation. But with what you're doing, you're now putting people in a place to co-regulate. So now we're around other men with similar interests, similar struggles. We're having the opportunity to do things side by side with one another. Um, we're becoming stress inoculated, which I, I think is absolutely wonderful because I don't think enough people put themselves mm. un under that level of stress to be able mm. to see who, who they are and right. how they can react. And, you know, you rise up to meet the world yeah. through that process and, and you just, you don't recognize it because we're so busy scrolling, on, doom scrolling on our mm. phones and spending so much time on social media and doing other things that we're not making ourselves that much of a priority to actually rise up and, and meet the world where we can. Absolutely. As far as the 30, 34 strengths finder. So that's just a tool I found a couple of years ago, but what I realized is, you know, there's all these personality tests out there with the Enneagram and you know, all yeah. these different things. Right. But th there's, there's one, there's one truth that I know. And it's that when you align with your gifts, you become an unstoppable version of you. So like most people settle for something that they just fall into. They go to college because their dad was a, a, a CPA and so that they become a CPA or the dad was a real estate agent or someone told them it would be a good idea to be a real estate agent and they just follow this path and they get caught into this cycle that pays the bills and then they never escape. They never align with their gifts, their purpose, and they feel miserable their entire life. That's the story of the average American. But what, what I found is like, I'm always after pursuit of the things that light me up that I feel energized from intrinsically that I don't have to go drink three Red Bulls to get excited about, right? It's, it's like the place that I'm in right now coaching. Like I, I get fired up to talk to people. I get fired up to talk to you. I don't need anything. I could be on two hours of sleep and show up here with the same energy and do this for 16 hours. That's a clue that you're in the right place. So how do I find that? Because most people are like, well, I don't know what my gifts are. One of the tools that I use is the 34 Strength Finder test because it'll tell you from one to 34, what you're good at. And it's not like what you're good at, what you're bad at. It's just ranking what you're good at from first to 34th. What oddly enough, most people consider to me to have high levels of discipline. Discipline's like 23 for me, which means, which explains to me why I have to work so hard to stay disciplined. Like discipline does not come easy to me. It's like a gauntlet for me to stay disciplined. Yeah. But what I learned through that is some of my gifts in my top five, is um, activism. It's why I've been able to start businesses quickly without having to, with, there's still risk mitigation and risk, risk analysis, but I can think and move quickly. Um, leadership, um, command, which is like being able to take command of a room and to lead and to charge. Um, what else? Uh, uh, ideas, creativity is one of mine. And so I'm like, okay, I started following my patterns. Okay, Nathan, you've owned businesses for 12 years, um, but there's been these points in these businesses in which you can st I, I can start a business in three days and have it up and running, no problem. Because I can come up with the ideas, I'm not afraid to start it, I can get it going. But when I get in the business, I get very bored, right? Yeah. So what, I'm like, what, what can I do? Well, I can help people start businesses because I don't necessarily enjoy the monotonous drag of like running and operating a business. It's not exciting to me. But starting businesses is very exciting to me. And so it just, this is actually what led me to coaching was the 34 strength finder because it, it aligned me. So then when I started thinking about was this, is this is the question, like I'll get on like discovery calls with people 
and they'll be like, hey, I don't even know what my gift is. I hate my job. I was okay, take this test. Okay, we take the test, we analyze. Okay, what are your top five? We begin to look at that. But then what I start asking them is, where are you helping people for free that you're just giving advice constantly? People come to you, what do people come to advice to you for advice on, right? That's an indicator. Where do you help people for free already? That's an indicator. What gets you really excited? That's an indicator. We're looking for these clues. That's how we begin to, to define our gift and our purpose. And then so once we align with those things and we begin to go all in, it's like this explosive reaction of intensity and drive. You look at, I explain Tony Robbins a lot because Tony Robbins was suffering from mercury poisoning, which basically robs all the ATP in your cells. So he has no energy, but he's able to get on a stage for 16 hours and carry a crowd of 25,000 people. How? Because he's living exactly where he's called to be. He doesn't need, the dude's never drank a cup of coffee in his life, right? So he yeah. has no caffeine to fuel him, even at the worst of his toxic poisoning, metal poisoning. But that's, that's the example is that why, why are we all not living like that? Man, that's a great question. I wish I knew. <laughs> but my fire and intensity is to get people to understand that, to live like that. Yeah. Because life's too short to be miserable. No, I agree, but it's finding it's finding that purpose and then accepting that that's your purpose because we get in this place of, well, this is who I am and this is who I've been and this is just who I'm always going to be. And yeah. we label ourselves and we get stuck. And then you're 40, 50, 60 years old going, man, I, I, I never lived in my purpose. I never did what I was supposed to do. I feel like I was capable of doing so much more. I just, nobody ever showed me how to to bring that out of me or believed in me enough to say that I could do this. So they're looking for other people to give them permission to mm -hmm. go and do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, you have to give yourself the permission Absolutely. to go out and do all of these things. Otherwise it's just never going to happen. And then you're that 85 year old. That's really, you're angry, you're upset, you're alone, you're isolated. And you know, you're filled with regret for all the time that, you wasted to get mm -hmm. to 85 years old when there was always right. so much opportunity. And that just brings me back to I'm 44, right? So for those of you who are over 40 and you think that your time is done because, you know, well, it's just all downhill from here. Look, people are living to 100 years old. So you've got mm -hmm. another potentially 50 years to continue building, developing, growing and expanding and becoming the type of person that you would be proud of when you are 85 years old looking back on this stage of your life so keep going keep pushing keep making it happen for yourself now you help start and scale businesses to seven figures plus what what does that look like and how can people tap into that well i look at for one if, if people already have a business then what i'm going to do is go in and analyze all their patterns you know our results are a just a are a consequence or a happening from our patterns. So it's very easy to look at people's lives or their businesses and just do an analysis of what they're doing and what's not working and find out where they need to go, right? A lot of people have success very early on in business, but then they get the shiny object syndrome and they start chasing, well, there's Facebook ads and there's all this and they start chasing all these things. But there was one thing that worked really well. And if I would have doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on the thing that worked really well, I would have built a multi-million dollar company just with that thing, just figuring out how to multiply it. Right. So like being that I've run a, a, a seven figure business, I've did over $10 million in revenue in my apparel and supplement business. And I, and I've had some major rises and falls, like, it wasn't just sunshine and rainbows building to $10 million. I mean, it was like lots of failures, more failures and successes. And so just watching how I navigated that and I've been mentored by some of the best people in the world. So I, I just have gained the knowledge and the intellect to be able to help people navigate and build patterns that get them to the results that they're looking for. Now you said you've been mentored. Um, Who's been your mentor or your greatest mentor or greatest inspiration for doing the things that you're doing? Ed Milet, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I saw your part of Arate. I was back in you 2019, were? 2020. And so what was your overall experience with that as, well, back at that time, you would have been a much younger in the entrepreneur space. Uh, how did yeah. that help you? 
I mean, my business went from 1.3 million a year to, to 5 million in basically a year. Um, and so was that just from the collaboration and the networking or was it? I think it more was skill a lot. Sets? From, uh, no, I, I don't think I had it really much to do with the networking had much to do with the skill sets learned and the mindset. It's just you get you get in the in the room with more successful people, you'll automatically become more successful. Like it's just it's that, you know, the old adage of cumulative sense of the five people that you spend the most time with or you you're the result of that. So, you know, you you get around big fish and you begin to think like one. That's why I tell people they need coaches that have been more successful than than them because what got you here won't get you there. Like your, your wisdom and where you, your intellect will can only get you to a certain point. And then there has to be a point in which you level up and how do you level up? Well, I have to change my belief systems in order to level up. But one way to do that is to get around people who are much more successful. Like if, if a million dollars is the most amount of money I've ever seen in my life. And then I surround myself with someone who's been, who's got like a million dollars in like 50 different accounts. I'm like, wow. Uh, I'm just the little guy. And it's like you start absorbing the intelligence and the thought process of someone that's much more successful. And just through that experience, you begin to be able to grow yourself. Yeah. I mean, you almost get to bend time in on itself because you have the opportunity to gain all this knowledge, this experience, and to utilize that now versus had you not gotten a coach, right? And had these mentors, it would have taken you. Mm -hmm. double quadruple the time to be able to achieve the success that you have. So for those of you who have a stigma, you know, around coaching, it's necessary. You know, this is the opportunity to grow, expand, become different and to get the skill sets necessary to be successful in your life. And so you really have to shift your mindset and stop seeing coaches as, you know, they're all grifters, you know, there are grifter coaches out there. I can tell you that. But there's also a lot of people out there that, you know, they've actually done what they say that they've done and right. they show up for you in ways that, that are deeply beneficial physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. So uh, get a coach, get a mentor. It's beneficial for you. My next question is, how do you know when to double down? Because you mentioned doubling down on one thing versus when to pivot. Mm. Well, I think that if you're in tune for me is in tune with God, but also in tune with yourself, you begin to understand not feelings necessarily, but there there's like this intuition that you're able to tap into. I think so many people are distracted with, like you said, phones and that they, they don't even know what's happening. They're just a subconscious program. The more that we move away from all the distractions, the more we can rely upon our own tuition or for me rely upon God to give me the answers to, to do that thing. Like, I don't necessarily know that I'm equipped with all the right tools specifically to say, like when I, when I went into coaching men, I had 95% female followers on Instagram. So was that right. a rational decision? Like in my feelings? No, but I kept getting the signs from God that was like, Hey, go here. And I'm like, but God, um, I've got, I've got 220,000 followers on, on, of women followers on Instagram who I can capitalize on. There's a huge market pool for me already there. They're hot leads. Right. And he's like, go coach men. And I just kept hearing this voice, but it was backed by, by interaction. So what I had to analyze is like, okay, I feel as if God's telling me to pivot to coach men, but then what are the facts that are reinforcing that? Well, the facts were that when I talk to dudes like you, I get fired up and I get excited and I'm passionate, but I get also this fire and intensity from helping a dude get through hard things. And so I looked for these reinforcements in my life that were saying, see, see how you felt when you just had that conversation. Like Sandy came into my life, who's my videographer, and we would sit at the, the table and, and strategize for five hours straight and I wouldn't get tired. So it just, I kept getting these signs that were just like, I'm looking for clues. I'm listening to God and, and my intuition, but then I'm looking for the, the clues to reinforce it. One thing I preach that I've been talking about a lot about lately is facts versus feelings. We're often led by our feelings. We're often misled by our feelings. Like the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful. If you follow your heart and what your heart tells you that it'll lead you into wrong places. But like, I got to think about the facts. And when I went to go to the paper, I was told to pivot 
from supplements to coaching men. I still have my supplement company, but I'm in the process of probably selling that or doing something else with it to pivot because I had all these reinforcing facts that told me it was the right thing to do. And that's what I look for. Facts over feelings. Because if, if I went with my feelings, I would have never gotten to coaching. I would have stayed being a supplement company owner and only doing that and being miserable. And I can tell you, it, as a coach myself, it's interesting to see the demographic, right? Because the majority of my followers are women on all platforms. It's amazing because it gave me that start. But I also have this desire. I keep everything neutral intentionally because I want to be able to serve the masses in a way that are going to be extremely helpful for the type of content that I produce, which is all attachment style related relationships, yeah. dating, overcoming your, your limitations. And so over time, what I've noticed is I keep getting more and more messages from men. There's been a, a massive increase over the past mm -hmm. six months because mm -hmm. they're acknowledging and recognizing, hey, what you just said really resonates with me and the circumstances mm -hmm. that I've been in and all of these different relationships that I've had. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize what I was doing or what I wasn't doing or what I could be doing better or how closed off I was or the fact that you, know, you speak on vulnerability, that I don't know how to access that part of me to then be able to connect with my partner and to have that the type of relationship that I truly desire. So it's really cool when you see that breakthrough that you have in a man, because it's like the light bulb turns back on and you, <laughs> you can, you can see it in their eyes. There's a shift. It just happens. They're like, Whoa, that's awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for that. And now they're ready to like take off and go. And, and yep. I'm get, I get goosebumps just talking about mm -hmm. it because We've all been there where there's been this, this deep pain, shame, embarrassment, frustration, irritation, sadness, depression, and you sit in that for so long and you don't know how to get out of it. And when you don't know how to get out of it, that's where you take that doom spiral all the way down and you get to that place of, I just want to leave the planet. And to get yourself out of that is an amazing breakthrough and experience. So for those of you who are struggling, you need to connect with somebody, you know, 33 hours, I think is a great start to put yourself in that position to rediscover who you are. Yeah. It's, um, it's one thing I realized two years ago, cause I had no male friends, but that was also right after I almost killed myself. Like, and so something just spoke over me that was like, you need to find men, strong men in your life. And I realized how, how tough life is when I don't have brothers in my corner. And oftentimes it's my fault because I push men away from me because I'm like, I feel as if I don't need them or I don't have time for them. And so I will sabotage male friendships and relationships because I'm so busy with life. But it's, it's funny because when I go down that rabbit hole, I end up finding how, how much I need them. Like, I think if, if men had actually, and I'm talking about quality male relationships, I'm not talking about your beer drink, drinking bros. Right. I'm talking about like, we know each other. Like we know our deepest pains, right? When you have a connection with another man like that, that actually saves, will save men's lives. We like men, like all men are like this. I get it. We shy away from deep connection with other men. It's like something societal that's like told us that that's not okay. But when we do it, it's transformative in our lives. We need, we need strong male relationships and not just for the camaraderie, but also for the accountability. Yep. Like we need people to tell us when we're messed up, when we're making bad decisions and not encourage it. You know, where, where I grew up with the friends I had is like, we encouraged bad behavior upon each other because it was funny. It was, you know what I mean? Like, like all my friends growing up encouraged me to do dumb things. And I got, yeah, it, I got, and it's easy to get into, but difficult to get out of. Yeah. But like when a guy calls you out because he sees you texting a girl when you're married and he's like, that ain't cool, bro. Like that's a different type of friend because a lot of friends would be like, what are you doing, man? Like, Oh, I mean, is she hot? Like, no. When a guy goes, Hey dude, that ain't right. Knock it off. That's the, the type of male friends we need. Yeah, it's knowing your goals, values, and standards, and then aligning with that and sticking to it. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what Arate is or you haven't experienced it, um, every now and again, I think like once or twice a year, they'll have um, a different get-together. 
So they just had one in St. Louis. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the one in Nashville. And when I went to the one in Nashville, I was struggling at that moment, you know, with I'm pivoting. I don't know what to do next. I don't know where to go, but I know I need to put myself in a room with other people that are like-minded and doing things mm -hmm. that that next level above, right? Like I'm, I'm reaching up, trying to find a place where I belong, where I can have conversations with people that know what I'm doing. They understand it and they don't laugh it off as something that's a joke or that you can't do, or, you know, cause people love to, put their limitations on top of you. Well, I can't oh, yeah. do that. I can't do that. So you can't do that. Yeah. So if you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, you need to, you know, find a way to get to that next level. It, it starts by finding things like that, by putting yourself in that position to be in a men's group, to seek out things like Arate Live, where you can be in a room with, you know, 2,500 other people and get to listen to Robert Green, Damon West, and, you know, all these other, Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, you know, speak on life, entrepreneurship, business, overcoming your, your limitations, and just believing in yourself that you're here for a reason. You have excellence inside of you and you can pull that out of yourself. But sometimes we need a little help and we need a little collaboration to achieve that. Absolutely. I think it's a requirement. Yeah. Because you can't do it alone. Yeah, you absolutely can't. <laughs> yeah, try. I mean, I've tried. I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. It's hard to find other people that are doing what I'm doing. I'm in central Illinois. Nobody I know is doing this stuff, but I've had the opportunity to reach out to other people that are their coaches online, you know, via TikTok and Instagram. And so we've created a little bit of collaboration through that. And that's been an amazing experience because it leveled up my content. It leveled up my belief in myself and my abilities and what I'm producing. And now everything is starting to grow. You know, mm. a, a month ago, I had far fewer followers than what I have today on all platforms. And now they're all significantly growing and it's not stopping. And it's like, mm. this, this is cool, but it's thanks to that collaboration. Yes, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a requirement. God, God did not put us in this planet to be alone. And you're like, if you look at the clues, look at the facts, you're the most miserable alone. Like you're lonely. You don't, you, it's hard to succeed alone, but there also is this lone wolf narrative of America. That's like self, the self-made generation about it. Like, I don't need anybody. Men, men are, are raised to think that I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. Yeah, just up by the bootstraps. Right. Yep. And then if you're, and then if you ask for help, you're weak. Well, so it's a great, wonder. it's a great way to keep other people small with that thinking. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're just weak if you ask for help. Well, then you never do anything because you don't know how to do it. Yeah, that's something I still struggle with to this day. Like, instead of relying, like, I have a hard time relying on people, so I just do everything on my own. But then I am miserable because I'm loading myself with three different businesses and hours of work that I can't even complete. And then it destroys my self-confidence. And then because I'm just trying to keep up, keep my head above water because I'm afraid to ask for help. And so like recently I brought on an exec to help me with a lot of things. And that's been tremendous for me because why I'm working with another brother, I'm working with a guy who is after the same goals as me and he's taking off some of my workload, which has just been exceptional for me. God, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, but uh, you know, I, I brought him on because he was ambitious and he needed something. And then, you know, I brought, I was able to, because my coaching business is new. So, you know, just revenue and stuff. We're just, we're getting things moving and we're, we're doing really well now, but I didn't want to pay him a fat salary of 70 K a year to be an exec. So I just brought him on at a low wage with a commission based and make him, I make him grind, you know, talking to people. And so then I, I have the ability to pay him endless amounts of money as long as he works hard. I love that. That's awesome. He, he, he can, he can decide his own paycheck, whether he wants to make, Two grand a month or 10 grand a month or 15 grand a month. It's all about what he puts in. Nathan, I want to thank you for being on the show and taking the time with us uh, out of your busy schedule. What are some ways that people can reach out to you, but also connect with 33 hours? Yes, the best way to get a hold of me is on Instagram. That's my main platform. I'm on TikTok, I'm on YouTube, but I spend 95% of my time on Instagram. So you can go to at Nathan Mansfield on Instagram. Um, for 33 hours, the link in bio I have there, there's an application. We are sold out for um, our upcoming class, but we will be releasing future dates. And so 
it has become a highly commoditized, um, highly valuable. Um, people are trying to get in because we only offer so many, so little slots. So um, you can still go throw in an application and we'll make sure and review it and give you consideration for the upcoming class after the next one. So that's uh, definitely where you can find the application and a little bit more about me. That's awesome. Well, Nathan, thank you so much. And I'm sure we'll do this again in the future. Absolutely, brother. I'll shoot you my number on Instagram. We'll, we'll talk again. All right, cool, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you.